welcome back to another episode of Gotta Snatch Em All, the sometimes weekly, sometimes fortnightly podcast where I chat with my queer heroes and our allies all about why the Pokemon franchise means so much to us in LGBTQIA plus adulthood. My name is Alex, I am your host, and it is a complete pleasure to be bringing you guys another fantastic interview with another fantastic guest. This week's guest, he goes by the moniker on Instagram, uh, Tails19950, but he comes to us here today as Tom Higgins. He is an absolute dream, one of the most genuine, kindest, sweetest, most generous people I've ever had the pleasure of meeting through this podcast. By now, you will hopefully have seen on uh, my Instagram that we have just uh, revealed a brand new logo. That is all Tom's doing. Tom just, like, of his own goodwill, offered to redesign the logo for me. Because the logo, I mean, when I first kind of pieced it together, I literally was just, like, using a random image of a diamante-encrusted Pokeball that I found off Google and a font that I found, again, like, off the internet – Neither of which, I don't know if I should be saying this on record, but neither of which I kind of gained uh, like the legal rights to use. And completely of his own goodwill and good nature, Tom just randomly said, you know, I could design a new logo if you wanted. And he has just, within about, in less than 24 hours, has put together the most beautiful, the colour palette is just exquisite logo for the podcast I cannot thank him enough. Uh, so you can go and see that. Well, I mean, it will probably will be popping up on your screen now that you're listening to the podcast. But to get a better look, you can go and head over to the Instagram. And I have uploaded the high-res version of it. I am just absolutely thrilled. So, I mean, if that is not, you know, an introduction to just how generous of a person Tom is, then, I mean, just wait for it. Because you are going to fall in love with him by the time that you get to the end of this interview. Now, the usual warning that there could be a few light swears here and there. So if you are with somebody who maybe shouldn't be listening, then perhaps tune back in later on. But for the time being, snuggle down, grab yourself a little beverage and enjoy. This is my interview with Tom Higgins. Have you ever stumbled upon someone's profile on Instagram and after a few scrolls thought to yourself, well, we would definitely would have been friends in school. That is how I felt about today's guest way back in 2015 when I first discovered his DeviantArt account. It was a treasure trove of content that stretched from Yu-Gi-Oh cards to commissioned artwork of Pokemon trainers, fan-made Mega Evolutions and Pokemon eggs that were rendered in a likeness that is so close to the real thing that they could have easily passed as leaks from an upcoming generation. And now he dominates Instagram and Etsy with his fan-made trading cards that feature the characters that we have come to know and love for 25 years. To his almost 22,000 followers on Instagram, he goes by Tails19950. But here today, he is Tom Higgins. Tom, welcome to Gotta Snatch Em All. Hello, thank you. I need that to play whenever people go onto my Instagram, just automatically. <laughs> A little, like, soundbite fanfare. Was it, oh, what was the website people used to go on and you could select a music to play? Was it MySpace? I think it was MySpace, yeah. And you have your own like theme play when people went onto MySpace. I need that. <laughs> well, it is yours to take. Don't worry. The copyright rights uh, are, are yours and yours only. Honestly, Tom, it is such a pleasure to have you here. I am 
so passionate. We were, we were talking just before starting recording. I was saying that I'm so passionate about using this podcast's platform as a megaphone to give this fabulous community of Pokemon illustrators a voice and as a means for your fans to get to know the human behind the artwork a little better. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Always. Now, Tom, how long have you been drawing Pokemon for? How did that start? I have been drawing my whole life. When I was younger, I used to love going to shops and you'd get the little, the packs of toys that had half the Pokeball in one corner and the other Pokeball in the corner. Mm-hmm. And it'd have like two figures in it. Mm-hmm. So you'd get Pikachu and Raichu or you'd get Kakuna and Beedrill. Yeah. And I wanted them all, but I couldn't have them all. So I used to draw the characters that I didn't have and cut them out. Love that. Yeah, well, I couldn't take those in the bath with me. I used to take all my toys in the bath. I'd take the paper in and they'd just go all soggy. So I'd draw them again. And some of them I couldn't draw. Like at the time, I remember I couldn't draw Volpix and I couldn't draw people very well. So Volpix was the lid of a hot water bottle. (laughs) And Brock, I wanted to have a toy of Brock. He was a pine cone I found outside. Oh my God, I love that. And just the foreshadowing as well of Brock having a pine cone in the anime as well. I know, right? Creepy. (laughs) I just think that that is such a... um, It's so telling about how resourceful you must have been as a child that that you obviously wanted to wanted to catch them all but for whatever means you couldn't have them all and so you would just make them for yourself i just think that's such a like being a teacher of young children now i just would be so impressed if there was a child in my class that had the the nous and the resourcefulness to 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 draw something that they that they want to play with i just think that's awesome yeah it was it was fun as well it was looking at the like the gym leaders because of course mm-hmm. you play as your character blah 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 blah. you never got to play as the gym leader so if i wanted to play as Sabrina I could draw well probably some terrible attempt at Sabrina (laughs) but I could give her whatever Pokemon I wanted yeah so she only has what three in the originals and two in the anime Mm -hmm. whereas I thought if I want to give Serena Mewtwo a Sabrina Mewtwo I could draw Sabrina with a Mewtwo and I could just cut out whatever I wanted play with whoever I wanted mix match with whatever and they're a lot cheaper than toys Uh, and and I think as well it is it's such a purposeful way. I'm, I'm sort of trying to put myself in the shoes of you as a child. And it's such a pers- purposeful way of just refining this skill for drawing that you that you had. And obviously, you know, like, when did you kind of eventually graduate from doodling to uploading your illustrations onto DeviantArt? When did it sort of graduate from 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 drawing to digital illustration? I think it was the second I could draw digitally or I thought I could try and draw. Yeah. I can't remember what my first few things were. Ah, oh, <laughs> I remember I drew, I think I tried to draw a Pokedex mm. of characters. No, before that, I was a fan of Sonic the Hedgehog. Is that where Tails comes from? Yes. Uh, the 1995 was my birth year. Yeah, And then the zero was because I forgot the password to the first account. So I had to make another one <laughs> with a zero on the end. <laughs> so it's just like a, a random like Stan account out there somewhere that's just the Absolutely. Tails1995. <laughs> yep. If they've got the password, feel free to DM it to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love Sonic the Hedgehog and I love Naruto. Mm-hmm. And so I drew the cheesiest crossover you'd ever seen. 
I drew the whole, I drew it all in a book. I completely redrew all of the Naruto comic, but with Sonic the Hedgehog characters. And with your digital illustration, is that something that you learned at school or did you like download the software at home? How did you kind of like first start to uh, equip yourself with that, the means to, to, to illustrate digitally? I just gave it a go. I thought I wanted to make my own Pokemon cards or any kind of like official looking pictures Mm -hmm. and no matter what I was scribbling on paper it just wasn't translating to anything that looked like something you'd buy or something you'd see framed somewhere but in high school I was the only one that did any kind of digital artwork I'd say it started in year nine that probably means nothing to any Americans hearing this (laughs) well yeah I guess that maybe like eighth grade I think because you guys start the year after us I think and yeah I just did it more throughout High school, I remember for our year 11 final exam, I was the only person in the class that did digital artwork. My teachers were discouraging it quite a lot because I was the only person in the class doing it. But then when we got to college, everyone there was using Photoshop in our classes and I was using paint.net. <laughs> what's, pa- what's the sort of interface on paint.net? What was, what's, what's that sort of closest to? I'd put it right in the middle of Photoshop and paint. Not as good as Photoshop, but a lot better than paint. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of almost, it's got a simple enough interface to be able to pick it up as an amateur. And then obviously, it you were able to really kind of take that skill set further into, you know, doing whatever it is that you wanted to in the end. You, yeah. Like I say, looking at your early Deviant artwork, you know, you clearly managed to get a real grip on the software to be able to manipulate it to do the things you really wanted. Yeah, it was, it was okay. I'd draw it on pencil, then I'd go around it in black outline, rub out all the pencil, and I'd scan it in with the just black and white option so it wouldn't pick up anything that wasn't, it wouldn't pick up pencil because it was grey. Yeah. And then I could just select the outline, get rid of all the white, colour it from there with colours on the laptop. Yeah. That got to a point where I wasn't able to do Sorry, things. Sorry, I don't know that one. Alexis just mm, turned mm, itself mm. on. I don't know how. Alexa, this is not, you are not invited to be part of this interview. <laughs> should probably respond in a second. Um, Yeah, it got to a point where I wasn't able to do certain things like drawing backgrounds. I'm not very good at drawing backgrounds anyway, because I'd scan them in on paper. My canvas would be A4 size. And certain characters like like Hooper, who can grow massive, wasn't very practical being drawn on A4 sheets of paper. So I'd end up drawing each of his hands on a sheet of paper each, his body on one, his head on one, his legs on another, and just trying to piece them all together. It was so much effort. And um, because it's not a app I could outline on either, if I did it wrong, I'd have to draw it on paper again, scan it in and hope it lined up. Um, so I thought I need something I can just draw directly onto. So I bought myself an iPad. Do you use the Apple Pencil, presumably? Is that sort of how you're able to? Because that must just completely, it must just be so close to the real thing, right? Yeah, the Apple Pen. I think I've gone a bit too far the other way now, mm-hmm. that I'm now rubbish at drawing on paper. So I find myself trying to zoom in on paper, <laughs> double tapping a normal pencil to change to the rubber. I think that it's like it's it's like us as adults, the fact that we kind of hand type everything now. Like I sometimes forget how to hand write certain things, which really is not great when you are the teacher of like four and five year olds. But um, it's the trajectory that design and illustration is taking. And so I so hope that, you know, you can get to a point where you can 
you know fully sustain yourself or you know if it is like a, a design job that you're wanting to get as your kind of as your main job day to day i so hope that you can get to the point where you know you can use that skill set <laughs> that you've because because with with procreate or i mean even just with your artistic training like did you go to school for art obviously you said that you went to college did you go to university or anything or was it just completely self-taught i got i think i got a b in art and graphics in high school mm. i failed graphics in college and dropped it and then after college, I went and worked in Disneyland <laughs> instead. So I didn't go to uni. It really upsets me that, you know, perhaps like they weren't as encouraging of... that. that it kind of almost... It devalues, doesn't it? It devalues. Uh, digital artwork is such a valid art form. And for perhaps, you know, your teachers to sort of look at what you were doing and not perhaps think that it was up to the skill set of other students who were sculpting or painting or whatever it just really disappoints me i think yeah i'd much rather have sat there and drawn my own comics or whatever with my own characters i'd eventually made up Mm. even if i couldn't do it in the lesson than sitting there drawing they told me to draw the landmarks of my hometown and i just thought my hometown's a shithole i don't want to do that (laughs) (laughs) and i'm sorry but we cannot let this slide past you said that you worked at disneyland tell us more (laughs) I did. When I was in my last year of college, I auditioned. I failed the dance round, but somehow they still wanted me. And I went there on a six month contract about two weeks after I finished college. And how was that for you? Was it everything you dreamed of and more? It had its moments. It had its good days when, oh, wow, I get to walk into Disney at six in the morning to start a shift and I'm the only one in the whole, Mm -hmm. well, I'm the only one walking through Main Street. Yeah pitch black but the castle's still lit up and music's still playing and then it had its naff days when some people weren't very nice because yeah. it's like in any acting job some people are very rude oh i think that it just it breeds egos doesn't it a lot of the jobs like jobs like that i think just breeds egos oh absolutely have having people in a job where they're just being told they're stunning having hundreds of photos taken of them every day you can understand how it go to their head yeah yeah completely working at disney started what is what really continued my pokemon art because i was obsessed with disney like you got a bad name in disney if you were a fan of disney all right they're like oh and and i was like absolutely i'm a fan i love disney so i'd just sit there and i'd think things like what pokemon would elsa have yeah what pokemon would i have and i'd i'd just start drawing Mm -hmm. drawing characters so i draw that's what started my commissions so i draw elsa with a team of six mary poppins with a team of six and then one, I used to post them in a gay geeks group on Facebook. Love that. And I got a message from someone saying, could you draw me? And that was back in 2016. And it's all just continued from there. So I finished that one, got two more, finished those two, got four more. And it all just grew. How amazing. And I'm such an advocate for everything happening for a reason and that you know it, everything is just this big kind of like celestial cosmic alphabetty spaghetti situation where you know one thing has to happen for another to happen and of course as with any job like with disney there was going to be high high points and there's going to be low points but the fact that it's obviously led on to this fantastic situation that you found yourself in now where people are people are paying you to draw <laughs> people are paying you to draw you know that when you think back to cast your mind back to you know when you were 16 17 in college or when you were doing your GCSEs and you know you might have been told or might have thought to yourself that oh like 
okay, yeah, I really enjoy drawing Pokemon or I really enjoy drawing cartoon characters, but it's not gonna it's not gonna get me anywhere. It's not gonna it's not gonna account for anything. And look at you now. Yeah. I remember I remember one of my college teachers saying to me, You're not gonna get anywhere in life drawing Pokemon. Oh my gosh, fuck you! And fuck you <laughs> <laughs> Look at me now, bitch. I know, right? We absolutely love to see it. No, but honestly, you just deserve every single bit of success that you've earned. And I think that it's been such a pleasure to watch your career just like completely bloom over the last six years. Since, like like I say, I can remember first seeing your artwork on DeviantArt in like 2015, 2016. I mean, like, do you ever revisit that profile? Do you ever sort of revisit your old work? Because it must serve as such a wonderful sort of journal that documents your growth. I do go back because I think, oh, there's a bunch of artwork there I just don't use anymore. I could update that and use it again on future commissions and stuff because I could do such a better job of it now. And I'm very critical of myself. So to look back at something I drew even a year ago, I think, nah, it's not good enough. I need to redo that, make it better. Yeah. And I'm, I mostly just I mostly just go back to DeviantArt to look at comments, make sure I'm not missing any commission requests. <laughs> no, for sure. But I can, I can remember seeing... On DeviantArt, there's this really lovely picture of the evolutions that you'd uploaded, and it was side by side with it was like a side by side comparison of the same drawing that you'd done, I think, from like 2011, and then there was one from 2017. And like the growth yeah. in your illustration is just mega. I need to do that with the ones I did for Pride. So just add it on as another growth of the evolution arts. Yeah, like another tier, like another, another you yeah. know, like the, like the fourth one in the series. I mean, like, you know, when you think about how much your craft has sort of like come further on in five years from then, like, do you, do you feel that you improve with every piece that you produce? I definitely feel I've improved. I don't necessarily see five years worth of improvement yeah. because it's such a style that I stick to. Mm-hmm. I don't push it further. I play it safe with that. I enjoy that. I think it looks cute. It looks nice. It's a style people recognize. But I like to think that other people can see that there's some growth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And before we progress onto the actual questions, I I just have to say, and to anybody who is listening to this, Tom posted the most gorgeous video of your mum's reaction when you told her that you were giving her a check that was your earnings from all of the sales that you made on Etsy so that she could fix some things around the house. It was the most humbling, heartwarming thing to watch. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, she cried. (laughs) Honestly, I, I bloody welled up when I watched it. You are just so special. And like, was that a really, really big moment for you to be able to kind of pay her back in that sense? I I wanted to do it for her for ages. It's it's horrible to see because she's in her late sixties, bless her, and she's still working at a supermarket. She has three jobs, yeah. and I just think no no one in their sixties should have three jobs. Yeah, and she worked all the way throughout this pandemic in a supermarket. People treated her like utter shit, and it's horrible to see. And then to see around the house, all the things that she had going wrong and panicking about not being able to pay for it, going to a job that she she doesn't like. Yeah. Because it's just because of the customers. They treat her horribly. She'd be much happier just spending all her days sat at home, cup of tea in one hand and a fag in the other. <laughs> Peak hun. We love to see it. <laughs> Pat is an icon. That's her name, Pat. 
<laughs> she calls herself the GC of Lowestoft. <laughs> I mean, she absolutely doesn't because she can't stand her, but I call her the GC of Lowestoft. Um, I'm getting my friends to, too. Pat, friend of the pod. But yeah, it, I was saving for a house, so I couldn't afford to just pay for things to be done. So I thought, I'll do something for a good cause and I'll sell my pictures i'll go to that post office as much as i can yeah and it's all for mum so even any kind of any kind of profit whatsoever i made it all went to mum uh, i had to restock on quite a lot of prints as well which was great i loved that people just wanted to help and wanted to support her because she deserves she deserves the world she's the best you are such a darling and she is so <laughs> incredibly lucky to have you oh thank you i'm lucky to have her now, Tom, take me on a journey through space and time back to when you first became aware of Pokemon. Where did you sort of like first acknowledge it? And what were the parts about it that you loved the most? Ah, oh, I don't remember when it started, but I remember I always watched the cartoon and it's the very early episodes of the anime I remember. So I must have started around the time it started here on TV. Uh, I remember I went around a friend's after school once and he had all the cards and I'd never even seen any of the cards before. And he gave me a star you and a star me card. And I was like, this is fucking amazing. But I didn't swear because I was like six. And then um, I was like, dad, I need these cards. I need all of them. So we went to this little shop that used to be in our local high street. And there was like a 2P bin of cards. A 2P bin? So you could pick whatever you wanted out of 2p original pokemon cards for 2p guys imagine and i think i got about 50 cards for a pound mm -hmm. and i remember we went to the till to pay for it and the guy was like, oh well i've got this charizard card if you'd like it only five pounds can you imagine a charizard for five pounds now i mean like multiply that by what like ten thousand, and you'd sort of yeah, be exactly. <laughs> roughly on the mark and i remember my dad saying no that's just one card that's too expensive <laughs> But yes, I loved my new Pokemon cards. I I just remember loads. I remember I then went to the shop with Dad another time. I got the Erica deck, the Misty deck, and there was another deck I don't remember. Those gym heroes that they set, I can remember really, really clearly as well. Like it just gave such, it gave such a sort of like a, a third dimension to those to those gym leaders. I felt. Um, and then I remember another time we went to London, and I got that. It was like a folder. I only remember the trip to London because I had my cards open on the way there so that I'd be quiet for the journey. <laughs> and it was like a folder called the Southern Isles or Southern Island. And it had all these intricate artworks that all connect with one another. So there was like Slow King, Tentacruel and someone else on the beach, Togepi, Ivysaur, someone else on the grass. And it was great. I still have the folder. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was, I think it was Christmas when I was like six, I got a Game Boy SP with Pokemon Blue. And I loved my Pokemon Blue. I remember because I was young, I couldn't spell. I had a, I caught a Weedle and I thought I called it Cutie because that's just really creative. I called it Cutty. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know how I finished that game. But I remember I remember getting to the end and it just stayed with me for life. I loved it. Yeah. I then got every other main release game as it came out. It is, isn't it so funny how something from such a long time ago can still be so clear in your mind's eye like you were saying about you know going to find the cards in the 2p bing going on this trip to london and opening your cards on the way that's so much the tapestry of your childhood the threads that make it up are so closely linked to memories to do with pokemon and that you can remember them so clearly 
it is so clear that like I've got I've got loads more stories of packs I remember opening on certain occasions and stuff well I mean that's something that I always really like to ask my guests is like the trading card game in particular is there any cards from those earlier sets or from those sets that were particularly like resonant with your childhood which is the artwork that really stands out in your mind's eye that you can remember I remember it was in the I think it was like Aquapolis or Sky Ridge or something. Yes, like that. There was the Sky Ridge one I remember. There was an Amphros. He was in a field and he was like, his arms were out in front of him. Yeah. And it, it was just the cutest card. I got that when I was so young. And then when I got older, I was like, I need to buy every version of this card. So now I have, I have a version of every Amphros card there is. Oh, really? Is Amphros one of your like ride or dies? Yeah, absolutely. He was the original favourite. And growing up, like which other things were you really big into when you were kind of like figuring out your identity like I was saying about Sailor Moon for me I've mentioned before how I was a massive Buffy fan for you which like TV shows and music and films were you did you absolutely stan as well as Pokemon Glee 100% I can list every episode in order (laughs) I still listen to the songs every drive I go on yeah and I'm just obsessed with randomly quoting it to my friends like every now and then I'll just turn to my friends and go did you know the dolphins are just gay sharks? <laughs> we love you, Brittany S. Pierce. Yes. Or it's like when they're talking about cheating and I'll just go, cheaters are the fastest land mammals of all mammals. And I'm just, <laughs> I've just got a little Rolodex of Brittany S. Pierce quotes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Glee was, Glee was so special. It was something that I really enjoyed with my parents as well. I can remember my parents really getting into Glee when it was, when it was in, especially in the sort of like the first like one, two, three seasons, it was when they had the Glee project. It was when like the original cast then graduated and they then introduced like Alex Wade, Wade Unique or, you know, and Kitty and whoever else. Like that was kind of, I feel like the sort of turning point when it started to sour a little bit. I enjoyed the start of season four. And I feel like as it went on, I got a bit, I mean, I was obsessed. They could have done anything and I'd have been like, wow, wasn't that amazing? Yeah. <laughs> but looking back, I realized that's where. I didn't like it as much. Mm. And I think my least favourite part is at the end of season five when it permanently moved to New York. Yeah, completely. It's like when it lost the kind of the McKinley high whimsy. Yeah. And when your favourite characters are Brittany Santana and Quinn and they're just not in the show anymore, you're like, Mm. oh, great. Blaine singing again. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And I mean, that was actually something that really, really, really... Uh, affected me last year was the passing of Naya Rivera. I just, yeah, it really like knocked me for six. Yeah, I remember I went down to my mum and I was like, mum, I'm really sad. But I felt like I shouldn't be sad because I didn't know her. But I'm really sad. Mm, mm. And I was I was watching that live stream constantly, like, you know, the news report where they're like, she has mm. been recovered, we have confirmed. And I was just like, no. Yeah, yeah. And the photo of them all holding hands, looking out at the lake. Mm-hmm. It was just, mm. it was horrible. I remember I listened to Landslide on repeat for about three weeks. Yeah, it was, it's, but um, I guess it, it all sort of like really took a bit of a sour turn, didn't it? Between like Corey Monteith and Mark Salling and things like it all, Glee has sort of got this really very quite, sinister aftertaste to it all which yeah kind of sometimes makes it a bit conflicting to know what to think and feel about it i don't know yeah none of the actors seem to remember it fondly either do they oh especially with the whole sort of like leah michelle being this massive like bitch fit diva 
I think sort of lots of things are kind of starting to come out of the woodwork now, aren't they? Yeah. Did you ever hear what Heather Morris said about it? And she was like, guys, she's not racist. She's just awful. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought you can just imagine Brittany in that choir room going, guys, she's not racist. She's just awful. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, completely. And was Pokemon something that you kind of ever really like sought escapism in, in the same way that you did with things like Glee? I think it was just nice to be in that world of Mm. Pokemon where there's, I don't know, I guess growing up, you do see like, you see swear words, you see chavs, you see homophobia, racism, Mm. bunch of shit. It's nice to be in that world where just none of that exists. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yes, you've got people trying to freeze the world. You've got people trying to drown people. That's nothing compared to racism and homophobia. (laughs) 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 Give me that world any day. Uh, It's just nice being part of that place where everyone's accepted for everything you can catch your own little buddies who love you unconditionally they're with you throughout everything it is and i think that that's something that i kind of um discovering with every interview that i i have and the more people that i speak to is that it was such a harmless place right it was somewhere that there was just like you say (laughs) there is obviously this uh, very, albeit very camp, global crime syndicate in yeah. every in every game. But like we see things happen in the world today, all we can do is sit behind our phone screens and be like, "Oh, that's rubbish," or we can try and fight things and just nothing happens with it. Whereas in Pokemon, you get to the end and you defeat the baddies, and it's just great. You are the hero. Yeah, and they stop cutting off those poor Slowpoke's tails. Oh my, which when you think about it now, how gruesome. I know, right? How on earth was that like part of the Gen 2 storyline? I think they hid it behind. It's okay, they grow back. And then they just chop them off. (laughs) And did you have like a community of friends that you enjoyed playing Pokemon with? Or was it quite a, was it an experience that you sort of went through by yourself? I think I had friends that came and went with it. So they'd join like they'd like pokemon and we'd be friends over pokemon and they'd grow out of it and i get a new friend and they i was like the one constant that stayed loving it yeah but I, I did have a friend who he always liked pokemon but he moved away we we stayed in contact and we met each other again in college so that was great mm-hmm. we still chat about pokemon to this day yeah um but no, there was never a massive group of friends that enjoyed pokemon or any of the nerdy things i liked but yeah it was the few that counted they were great yeah yeah but it's hard though, isn't it? Because especially when you are queer and you are growing up and you're trying to kind of deflect anything about yourself that could be like, you know, did you keep your, were you quite out there and open about the, your love for Pokemon and, and, and Yu-Gi-Oh and Naruto and things? Or did you feel like you really had to kind of keep it to yourself? People took the mick out of me more for like in High School Musical anyway. So uh, Pokemon was nothing at the time. I wouldn't openly sit there and be like, oh my God, Pokemon's doing this, Pokemon's doing that, blah, 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 yeah. blah. Yeah. I'd sit there and draw it and I'd sit there yeah. and I'd play it on my lunch breaks, mm. but I wouldn't love talking about it. Whereas now, even strangers, I'm like, hi, I love Pokemon. But it is, it's, you, you develop this thick skin and this confidence, don't you, as, a, as, you, as you become an adult and you become sort of quite unashamed of the things that you, like Pokemon's cool as fuck. Like, why, <laughs> why would I be embarrassed about liking it? Where else in the world will you find an apple pie dragon? Oh my gosh, obviously you guys can't see it, but Tom has just brought into screen uh, an enormous Appleton plushie. He's life-size. 
It's absolutely gorgeous. But yeah, like people, like there are adults that love Harry Potter. There are adults that love Disney. Like why on earth should people who like Pokemon feel any more ashamed for liking it? I never understood why Disney and Harry Potter were like the two things that you can love, that they're not childish. People aren't going to bully you over, but every other show that was even remotely childish, they would. Yeah, yeah. I remember because I loved anime growing up, I used to have to like feel like I had to justify it to people. Be like, oh, it's okay. It's not a cartoon. It's really gruesome. Oh, it's not a gay show because they fight baddies and it's just like yeah. i shouldn't have had to have said any of that yeah too right you shouldn't have had to have said any of that and it's and it and it feels really unjust that there's been a point in our lives where we've almost ever had to sort of like justify liking this thing that we like i mean in terms of games which has been your favorite pokemon game oh they all have their good points because you just remember them for different things probably gold and silver tell us why i remember my brother's friend gave him to give to me pokemon gold and pokemon crystal and on pokemon crystal obviously they'd hacked the game but i'm looking back but i didn't know that there was a celebi on there and of course no one else at the time had celebi and i was just like what is this it's like an onion (laughs) and it wasn't in the books or anything at the time either because i think it must have been literally just hacked into the games before any of the films or the merchandise came out for the character yeah but it just had pokemon i loved i loved chikorita i loved Ampharos. I loved playing through the story with the unknown. Mm. And then when you finish the game, you get to go play at Kanto. And then once you finish that, you get to go meet Red and fight Pikachu and the three starters. It just had so much. It just kept on giving. Yeah. It's such a good game. And in terms of like close second, because it's a real pattern on this podcast that I think gold and silver, particularly obviously for us, like kids of the 90s that grew up with Pokemon, I think that was the... It was just, it was the next chapter that everybody just really kind of beheld as just being like, oh my gosh, this thing just keeps on growing and it's so amazing. But if you would sort of like take Gen 2 out of the equation, what would be your next favourite games? Probably Gen 4. Because that was when online was really starting to be a thing. Like I could look online for characters, I could look online for leaks, I could look online for... Whereas like by the time I got into the internet, Gen 3 was already out. And if you wanted to know things, you could go find them. But this was the first time I was like, oh my God, look at this leaked evolution of the starter. Never turned out to be real. And I remember the day that the whole Pokedex leaked and I was like, oh my God, this is called Leafeon. Oh my God, this is called Glaceon. Oh, wow, look at the starters. And then all those evolutions that came out, I, yeah. I loved it. And then it gave us Cynthia. Oh, the icon, the queen, the queen that she is. The winner of an all-winner season of Pokemon Drag Race. (laughs) No, definitely. Now, if I was to encounter you on my Pokemon journey, what trainer class would you be and where would I find you? I'm the main character. I'm no trainer class. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't see it any other way. Where would I find you then? Where would you and I... Where would you and I battle? Oh, God. It's hard to sound not like a dogging area. Um... (laughs) (laughs) the woods beach (laughs) oh i i don't know i'd just be you'll probably find me at the supermarket it's it's in gen 7 it's alola isn't it the there's the haunted one but then there's also like it's where the um before you go to kiawe's trial there's like the big supermarket there right it's the discount store i think it might be the discount store yeah actually me in a discount store (laughs) okay the haunted supermarket then fine I'm the ghost of supermarket worker. (laughs) That'd be my trainer class. (laughs) Okay, so you're taking on the Elite Four. 
Who would your go-to team of six be? My team of six would be Ampharos, Kamala, Appleton, Dragapult, Togekiss, and then it's either between Infernape or Cinderace. Oh, so many newbies as well. So this this most recent gen must like really have taken you, right? Yep, I I loved it. There wasn't a single Pokemon in this generation I didn't like. I didn't like Colossal at the start, but it's grown on me. Yeah. I just wanted him to train. <laughs> yeah, so you've true. got Roly Coley, which is a wheel. And you've got Carcole, I think his name is. Yeah. He's a minor car. And how amazing would it have then been that Colossal was a steam locomotive? See, this is why they just need to employ you as like on the design team, right? Well, I can think of it, but I couldn't draw it. All I could think of was from Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> and... Um... So tell us about those choices then. So Ampharos, you said, has obviously been like a long-standing favourite of yours. Yes. How about Komala? Because I can see in the background there is a little plush of Komala on your shelf. So gorgeous. I don't think I've ever played with a Komala before. Tell us about why Komala is special for you. Ah, Koala is my favourite animal. I love it. As simple as that. Yep, they've always been my favourite animal. So then when he came out and he had that adorable design and he was just a Koala. Mm. And then you get a lot of people online making fake evolutions for him. And I'm just like, no, don't change him. Leave him as he is. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the first Kamala I encountered, because I wanted a boy Kamala. Mm. I saw, I found a girl in the wild, ran away from it, I didn't want it. Found a girl, ran away from it, found a boy, and it was shiny. Oh my gosh. That is just, what are the odds? Bloody hell. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So that's why I have a shiny Kamala on my team. That's, I love that. Very, very special. Now, do you have sort of any staples that you kind of return to as like tried and tested? Or do you kind of like to chop and change with every game that you play? Every time I play a new game, I will have a new team and I'll make it of Pokemon from that generation. Like in generation three, I'd have Gardevoir. I had Plusle. Who uses Plusle? You do that too. I had Swampert and then yeah, just every generation I'll play with the new Pokemon because you can always use your favourites once you're finished. But yeah. it's a new storyline. You should have a new experience. Yeah, I think, I mean, we'll go into this a little bit later on, but like, what is your favourite type? If you were going to do a mono run with just your favourite type, not thinking too much into the logistics of like, oh, but I've got to have one that's like this and this type, or I've got to have one that's this and this type. If you were literally yeah. just going your favourite type, what type would it be and who would be on your team of six? It, people always comment this on my page and I'm like, I, I don't know, because I've always had such a random, I've never stuck to a bunch of ones. I never know. But I guess probably Dragon. But everyone loves Gudra. He's adorable. I love Dragapult. I love Appleton. Before Gudra, it was Garchomp on my team. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Dragons. I, just, I love Dragons. Yeah. Again, Dragon is not a type. Dragon and Fairy are two types that I really just haven't had much experience of like love normal type is my favorite type but then like water love water love ice love grass yeah i think dragon types get themselves a bad name because they're so uber they're mm. always like the pseudo legendaries and stuff yeah but yeah it's good that as the games have gone on you've got a more dragons involved that are just general pokemon like mm-hmm. applin which is yeah. a dragon and it's just it's fun it's nice getting a dragon that isn't just a massive Snake in the Sky. Yeah, and Dragalgi. Dragalgi is one that I really, really love as well. Oh, it's gorgeous, isn't it? 
Now, if you were a gym leader, Tom, what would the vibe of your gym be? And who would be on your team? And where would you sit? A very loaded question. Where would you sit in the lineup of the eight? Uh, I don't want to be at the start because you're done within the first day of playing. I don't want to be second, third, fourth, fifth or sixth because you're forgettable. I think I'd be happy in seventh or eighth because mm-hmm. you're a bit more memorable, like Claire or Giovanni. Yeah. Might, I'd probably just go with the Dragon team. And who would be your heavy hitter? Well, I want to say Appleton, but would he be a heavy hitter? <laughs> He'd probably be the one everyone knocks out first. I mean, may- maybe it could be like an Eevee, Ivy, maxed out Appleton that's just an absolute yeah. boss hog. <laughs> we'll go with that. Yeah, I'd probably just have Appleton, Gudra, and Dragapult. Oh, is that a bit much for a gym? Oh, well, it's my gym. I can do what I want. You can do whatever the hell you want. And I think the vibe that you have to complete a day of work in retail before you can challenge me. Oh. <laughs> the puzzle could be conveyor belts or something like that. Tell us about why you've got to tell us about why you've got to complete a day of retail before challenging you. I think everyone at one point should have to work a day in retail to know what it's like, to know what people can be like, to learn what's apparently your fault, even though it isn't at all. Mm. And I think people are having a good time. They're on their Pokemon journey. They get into the last couple gin and then they'll have to do a day in retail and that'll make or break them. Maybe maybe that could just be the victory road. Like that is the that is the the final <laughs> frontier before the Elite Four is you've got to complete <laughs> complete a day of a day of retail during the Christmas rush. <laughs> now, Tom, the big question that this podcast is trying to explore is all about why so many people from us within the queer community still love Pokemon so much today. What is your take on this? Why do you think, from your perspective, but also from the people that you've met and and the community that you've sort of made in your craft, like why do you think that so many queer people still kind of hold on to Pokemon so dearly? Well, I guess Pokemon Go and Grindr are the exact same thing. So <laughs> a lot of people would feel comfortable with that. Uh, I, I don't know, really. I think going back to the thing about it being a world where just everyone is, they're them. Like people hate people for their actions, not for who they are. So everyone's got everyone's got something they can relate to and that just unconditional belonging. Like everyone's yeah. got Pokemon with colours they'll love, or they've got characters they'll relate to. Like I look at Wallace and I think, oh, I'm seen. It's me. <laughs> and everyone's got characters they're attracted to as well. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. People are like, oh, I'm not attracted to a cartoon. And we all know you've looked at Drayden and thought, hmm. Or Marlon. Oh, my gosh. Marlon from Gen 5. And Lions. Fuck me up. <laughs> or Archie in that skin-tight wetsuit. And Incineroar. <laughs> <laughs> like, even characters like Sylveon and Hatterene. People just look at them like they are, they are trans icons. And I love that. Like, everyone just sees themselves in something in Pokemon, no matter who you are. Oh my gosh, what a lovely way to to wrap it up completely. It is, no matter what you take from it, there is something that will completely, you can completely align yourself with, whether it's the escapism, whether it's the collecting, whether it's the, uh, com- you know, the com- the completion of it all, whether it's the, the competitive element in battling. Yeah. It's got something for everybody, hasn't it? And so that's, yeah. what, it's always a really nice question to end the interview on is that, everybody's answer is different really yeah which leads us to our last question tom what is the queerest pokemon of all 
I thought long and hard about this. So I thought Dragapult, because he's got his little camp hands. Oh my gosh, yes, the little limp wrists. Quagsire, Seeking and Weeping Bell. I don't know why, I just think they're gay. Seeking, who wins the uh, the Kylie Jenner lip challenge. <laughs> I, I remember though, I think it was Bulbapedia, they used to have an LGBT Pokemon page, like a page that listed all the things that could be. And for some reason, Seeking was the Pokemon for the page. Oh my gosh, I wonder if there's like some kind of like goldfish trivia that we're missing out on here. Uh, is it? Ah, uh, they can change their gender. Some some fish can. Oh really? Maybe that's it. That's it's it. like it's like a, it's like with seahorses. How see with seahorses, it's the men that get pregnant and stuff. Maybe maybe Cedra Cedra can be one of the poster children for uh, for the queerest Pokemon of all. Sorry, I'm cutting across you now. Please carry on. Uh, the male Primarina, because it's more likely to be male than female. Yeah, but it's still so sort of like inherently feminine, isn't it, in its design? Yeah, and I love that. I identify with that. Yeah. And lastly, ditto. It is genderless, but it will fuck anything. <laughs> the queer person's prerogative, no? Yeah, if you're male or female, it would just it would just go for you. <laughs> and that thing doesn't play safe either. It will have a baby. amazing tom thank you so much now it is time for everyone's favorite segment super smash sisters in which i battle it out with my guest with a team theme of their choosing tom would you please explain for my listeners which theme did you choose for us i chose the chinese new year zodiac animals yes we're going to be battling out with a team of six of the 12 it is 12 isn't it i think i think so there are 12 months in the year Let's say it's 12. The 12 <laughs> animals of the Chinese zodiac. We are going to get into this battle. So we will be right back. And we are back. Tom, t- tell us how that went down. <laughs> I lost. <laughs> I mean, I never thought I was going to win either. So, But the, the listeners of this podcast, I hope, will appreciate that I have lost for the last however many weeks and so it was nice to have some little <laughs> just a, a, just a, a, just a little victory every now and then just doesn't go and miss just keeps me you know keeps me up there so no it was it was wonderful tom tell us about your chinese zodiac themed team so i chose dragapult for the dragon ampharos for the sheep cinderace for the rabbit infernape for the monkey mamaswine for the pig which is my birth one and Togekiss for the rooster, which I think is ro- like reaching a bit. You can you can have it, honestly. I mean, I was looking, f- I wanted to do the rooster as well. And the fact that the only option was either Blaziken or Combuskin, I was like, nah. You need to reach next time. Yeah, I need to reach further next time. Uh, and were there any particular movesets that you were proud of? Um, anything that you wanted to kind of show off in that sense? So I had a fire type. I thought I gave him Pyro Ball. I remember giving him Pyro Ball. And I'm not sure why he then had nothing but fighting type attacks. And Cinderace isn't even a fighting type I know. Pokemon. They had a bug type move in there as well. And I just thought, yeah, the one fire type that isn't fighting. No, it was a, a gallantly fought uh, battle, Tom. And on my team, I had the dragon also. I had Kamoa. Never used a Kamoa before with the item Throat Spray. Uh, Clangor of Soul, which obviously boosts all of the uh, separate stats. And then with the Throat Spray Held item, when, if the 
uh, holder uses a sound based attack then it then boosts the special attack so it gets like a little double boost there from using the clangorous soul uh, i mean clanging scales is just an absolutely devastating attack i think that took out your i took out your mama swine it took out another one of yours i think one hit with my pokemon in i didn't have a chance <laughs> uh shiny grumpig I love Grumpig. I was also saying to Tom that I've got a real affinity for the character Casey from the anime. I don't know if any of you guys remember her. She was like the one that was obsessed with baseball, the Electabuzz team, and she loved yellow and black Pokemon. The shiny Grumpig is yellow and black. He is just so gorgeous. Uh, Surviper for the snake, Go-Goat for the goat, Houndoom for the dog, and Simipaw. Again, Simipaw, never used before. Uh, no one's fake. No one. Yeah, I mean, we can categorically <laughs> say that any of those elemental monkeys is nobody's favourite, but uh, came through in a pinch. Timmy Seer was voted the least favourite Pokemon at one point. Wait, really? Yeah. There was like a vote in, I think it was Japan or it might have been worldwide. Yeah. Is the, I think he was the only one on the list that got zero votes. Oh my God. Or he was like written in to be voted as the least. No one liked him. I like him, but no one else did. If it was a spice, it would be flour, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> just like the least spiciest Pokemon ever. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, it is time for our last segment, What is Making Me Gay This Week, when my guest and I share a piece of popular culture that has made us feel particularly inspired or happy or, I mean, just downright queer recently. Tom, what has been making you gay this week? Well, I want to start by saying that what's really made me gay this week is that one of my friends referred to her vagina as a beefy growler. <laughs> I felt my genitals just wither away. I picture that book with teeth from under the bed in Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> the Monster Book of Monsters. That's uh, If that is not already the, the anecdotal name for someone's vagina, the Monster Book of Monsters, then it certainly <laughs> should be. But what has been keeping me gay is All Stars 6. Tell us more. I, I love it. My favourites are Raja and Trinity. Mm. And I think her Kylie's very good. I think she's the favourite to win, is she? I hope so. She would be my favourite to win at this point, I think. I feel sorry for Jan. I thought she was off to such a good start and it just went unnoticed. So I thought she was incredible in the talent show. And I've seen a lot of people commenting like, oh, well, she just sang. She just sang. I can't sing like that. Mm. <laughs> it's incredible. And then I just thought for the ball in the second episode, she again did incredibly. I feel like they didn't like who she was. So there was a lot of, oh, you're giving it too much. You're giving it too much. And when she's saying, oh, that's me. That's just me. I'm very, very peppy, peppy, peppy. Mm. And I just thought, I get that. Yeah. Because not not everyone's had major trauma that they can bring out in things. And there's no need to fake it. If you are just that happy, confident person, I like that people can say that. And they can put across it. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to be up there. But you can still be real at the same time. And I think. If she wasn't commented on so much for being fake, for having no soul, I think that that could destroy you. It was such a whirlwind of things she was getting like, oh, bring it 110 this week. Bring it back this week. Bring it more this week. Bring it back now. Mm. And then her elimination. Mm. I had a lot of thoughts and feelings. <laughs> no, absolutely. Even a jam stand. Yeah. When I think about it, like it, it must just be so heartbreaking to be sort of like consistently told you're not quite providing what we're looking for. Mm. 
I mean, like, I've never had, like, an audition process or anything like that. I mean, I've definitely, like, gone for job interviews and then not gotten the job, and that's hard enough. But, like, to be on, like, a global platform stage like that uh, and to be in this pressure cooker situation and to be told week on week that you're providing, but you're not quite providing the right kind of thing or you're not quite providing enough or you're providing too much, it must, yeah, really, really great. Yeah, I'm I'm not saying she doesn't have any trauma. She could have elaborated on I don't know her I don't know her backstory I just thought I don't think there's anything wrong with being that happy person and because it it spreads if you're happy and you project happiness people well I thought people loved that I love that Mm. yeah but I, I like authenticity too but sometimes being happy is just people's authentic selves I can I can always remember I mean, this is definitely uh, a um, contentious one, but one of my real favourites from the show, not anything really afterwards because she has sort of like been embroiled in quite a bit of drama, but I really, really loved Nina Bonina Brown on the show. Nina Bonina Brown was my favourite on that season. I loved Nina Bonina Brown. And I always remember her. It was in the untucked of that first episode, the Lady Gaga episode. And she was saying that she had applied year on year on year and was always getting rejected. And obviously she really didn't feel like she fit in with the Atlanta scene. And she said, you know, it just puts this seed in your mind of, is this not for you or is this just not your time? And I wonder if actually Jan, the fact that she's now had kind of like two consecutive goes that literally consecutive one right after the other of being told you're just not what we're looking for to be america's next drag superstar must just give must just give her a real complex yeah it was horrible to see on season nine as well nina benina brown because she just started so strong Mm. but then just to see her just attack herself and go in on herself week after week getting worse and worse not the runways and anything she was fantastic but mentally and the things she'd say to the other people there it was difficult to see because mm. she is so talented yeah completely oh in terms of makeup artistry i think that nina benina brown is up there as yes. one of the one of the absolute all-time best yeah and what has been making me particularly gay this last week is another book uh, i'm feeling very literary recently uh, called <laughs> first comes love by tom rasmussen it is tom's second book a much less salacious follow-up to his premiere memoir diary of a drag queen uh, although there are certainly a few close calls uh, for scandal in this book uh, it is a really fascinating account which explores the significance of marriage through the lens of queerness in 2021 and as somebody who's getting married uh, later on this year i found it so eye-opening and insightful it is congratulations Thank you very much. Yeah, it is it's such a perfect balance between like statistics and history, but also Tom's like camp and wit that everybody absolutely adores him for in his writing style. Um, it's available in an audiobook as well, which is narrated by Tom, who just has the most divine storytelling voice. I just want him to read me bedtime stories every single night. So if that could be arranged, that would be fab. Uh, that is Her First Comes Love by Tom Rasmussen. Now, Tom, before we go, will you indulge me and my listeners in a quick fire round? Oh, shit. Sure. Nicknames, yes or no? Yes. Pokemon Go, yes or no? No. Ever caught a shiny? I've caught multiple shinies. Tell us about your first shiny and then tell us about the shiny that you are the proudest of. My first shiny, I, I'm pretty sure it was the Togepi egg you get given in gold and silver. How amazing as well, for like a completely... Like a like like an event item to then just randomly be shiny for you. 
I didn't know what it was. I just knew it sparkled every time it came out <laughs> and the, the dots on its chest were wrong. Yeah. I remember I was on my way up to Ray Quasar the first time I played Sapphire and there was a shiny clay doll. Love clay doll. And I caught it before it self-destructed. <laughs> so that's great. And then my first Kamala's on my team. The first one yeah, I caught was yeah. shiny. Favorite type? Uh, dragon. Hottest professor? I feel like everyone will say Sycamore, but Professor Rowan is a daddy. He could raw rail me any day. <laughs> Your mum might listen to this. Uh, <laughs> I think she's at work now, so she can probably hear me. <laughs> she's got a cup and string up against the wall. Uh, Favourite starter? <laughs> uh, Rowlet. Grass starter, water starter or fire starter? Uh, grass. Favourite region? Uh, Gala. Favourite gym leader? Jasmine. Oh, I love, no one's mentioned Jasmine before. Tell us why Jasmine is your favourite. Um, she always reminded me of my sister when I was growing up. They just have like similar builds, similar hair, not the big ponytails. She doesn't have those. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I always saw that. And I just always thought Jasmine was so pretty, so simple, but so pretty. Yeah. A very like understated beauty, right? Yeah. And her redesign with the new cardigan and the bow. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And also when she just like suddenly reappeared as well in Gen 4, I loved that. Yeah. Favourite Elite Four member? Caitlin, <gasps> Cynthia's girlfriend. Yeah, tell us about this conspiracy between uh, Cynthia and Caitlin. I don't think it's a conspiracy theory. I think there's official artwork of them together. They're like sat together on a comfy chair, like Caitlin's leaning over Cynthia. There's one of them both just sat there with books and they were together in the anime. And I, I just, I see that. Yeah. I see them. Good for them. Good for you, Caitlin and Cynthia. Where would you most want to visit in the Pokemon world? The Alola region. I just want that holiday. Mm. Get me to Hawaii. Mm. Mm. Travelling between the islands on the back of a massive mantine as well. I would be shitting myself, but I'd give it a go. <laughs> and if you could have any Pokemon in real life, what would it be? My Appleton. Oh my gosh, yes. Thomas just produced his gorgeous Appleton plushie for a second time. I'm insanely jealous. <laughs> I, I just think he's adorable. And I think he's somewhat useless, which I love. Like he walks incredibly slowly. And I'm pretty sure, because he hasn't been in the anime dub yet, so we don't know what he sounds like. But I'm pretty sure. Have you ever heard a tortoise having sex? <laughs> no. <laughs> They're just like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think that's what he'd sound like. And I love that. What is the biology of an Appleton? Like what is, what's the, what do the Pokedex entries say? Because obviously it's like an apple pie, right? I don't know, does it make like a delicious nectar or something like that? You know, in like the Pokedex entries always have like those cool little like nuggets of info. It definitely mentions about kids eating parts of it. Like I think like the crusty bits on its back. How revolting. <laughs> oh, there you go. Its body is covered in sweet nectar and the skin on its back is especially yummy. Children used to have it as a snack. At least it says used to. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This has been so fun. Honestly, it's just been a complete pleasure to have watched your career just completely explode over the years that I have been aware of you as an illustrator and to go from deviant art to this like thriving community of fans that you have on Instagram and you know your your customers on Etsy is just such a fantastic accomplishment and I can say without question that everybody who knows you must be so so proud of you. <laughs> thank you so much uh this has been so fun i've been telling everyone all week about i'm being on a podcast i'm so excited 
And yeah, this is the highlight of everything I've done so far. So thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, Tom, that is such a massive, massive compliment. Well, you deserve <laughs> every single bit of this experience because it, like I say, I, I think that this podcast it is such a joy to be able to not only like connect myself with other queer members of the Pokemon community, but also to act as a mouthpiece so that your fans can get, you know, more of a perspective about you and your history as a Pokemon fan. And I'm, I know for a fact that, you know, you've done this in, in this interview today. So I cannot wait for them all to hear what you have to say. I can't wait to well trainers that is all we have time for today but you can subscribe and if you're a newbie then please make sure you have a listen to all of the previous episodes with all of my amazing guests you can tell your friends tell anyone who you think might enjoy some wholesome humble queer pokemon content if you really love me you can rate me five stars on apple podcasts you can follow me on instagram at gottasnatchemall.pod and twitter at gottasnatchemall Tom, where can my wonderful listeners find you on the World Wide Web? And is there anything you would like to plug? My Instagram is Tails19950. My Etsy is Tails Training Cards for lots of prints. I'm working on some new stuff for Redbubble, so check that out sometime. Get it while it's hot, guys. Our intro and outro music and sound effects are all provided by just noble on youtube and this podcast is distributed by anchor i am your host alex and i hope you have a wonderful rest of your week bye bye